Let's go. You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even fun. Tribe, our job is to help companies adopt AI. Well, if now all of a sudden every company wants to adopt AI, there are lots of more interesting ways we can be thinking about how to solve that problem. Um, and we're really well positioned to do that. So tell me more about helping clients around AI. What does that really mean? Is this like a marketplace where companies can connect? Experts are there to share their foundational models? Does it go to that level? Or are they building or are you building AI solutions for clients? Tell tell me about quote unquote help. Yeah, of course. Um, so I saw, I believe that you have a services background as well. I do. Um, and so I think the easiest way to think of us is a professional services firm, um, except we, are, we look very different uh, under the hood. So um, professional services for AI, um, I already shared, you know, believed every company would need to become, an AI, become AI. You talked about the foundation models. They are exactly that. They are foundations. Um, OpenAI, Cohere, Anthropic, they've built incredible platforms that companies can build on. Um, but in order to do so, there are a million considerations, privacy, data security, governance. How, does, how do these tools actually like fit into products in a way that's scalable? What does that user interface look like? Um, and uh, these, are, these are really big questions that companies haven't sort of thought about before in many cases. And I talked about how massive the shift in adoption is. So many companies are experimenting, but getting to that sort of last mile, getting to that next step beyond a proof of concept or a pilot into a full-fledged product is where we're seeing a lot of challenges. And so, um, you know, if you look above foundational models, uh, there's vertical applications that are being built on top of these models that are being sold. Um, and, you know, they're exactly that vertical applications. So you could sell them into different industries, but that market's still extremely nascent. Um, and so in many cases, those products, those solutions aren't really ready to be consumed by enterprises, which means there's a gap. Um, there's like a ton of demand from companies um, and there's the sort of early base foundation infrastructure, um, but they're still missing kind of that there's a gap to really ensure widespread adoption of AI uh, at the corporate level. And so what we've done is filled in the missing piece of the infrastructure, which is uh, building kind of AI service delivery at scale. And we've done that in two ways, um, by using our talent network, um, which is what I was alluding to before, and then our delivery platform. And, and I think the talent network is really what sets Tribe apart. And this is where like, we do look extremely different from your average professional services firm in AI or otherwise, um, which is we've amassed the top talent in AI. What our consulting model does is pulls from this really credible talent asset. And so you, we can do the more marketplace model where a company wants talent, we can give them talent, but they manage that talent themselves. Or we can do the sort of more managed consulting model where we'll install a team of, you know, however many people it takes to do the job. Um, we can work across, you know, data product management, uh, AI engineers, machine learning engineers, data scientists, data engineers, every function you need and different specialties within each of those. Um, and, and I think what's most notable is actually manage those teams, manage those projects 
and ensure an orientation towards outcomes. Let me see if I can restate this though, just to make sure. Is this consulting? Let me give you one of three options here. Is Tribe about, hey, we're going to consult and provide the top experts uh, experience around AI? Is it, so that's number one. Number two, is it You'll come in with architecture and then let the clients own the assets and outcomes could be one and two. Or is it number three is you actually get in and create the solution and the clients can either own the ultimate solution or use some of your assets you've created to build upon. Which one I, is I get what you're saying. It's really more one and two with a flavor of three. Um, <laughs> so um, uh, I think the, it, we, we sort of are built to meet companies where they are. Um, which means that depending on what a company needs, we can be really flexible. In many, in, in all cases, the customer owns their IP. That said, we are an AI-driven company, which means we've built a lot of tools ourselves as well. And if they want to use those, they absolutely can. And we are building out more of our own generative tooling every day. Um, so, you know, of course, we, we have a really unique advantage, which is that we are not career consultants. We are technologists and we are you know, bringing that power to bear, which means that every part of Tribe is built using automated technology to automate service delivery for ourselves. It's how we've been able to scale with a lean team. Um, and, uh, and that's what we set out to do with our customers and do it uh, quickly uh, at sort of startup speed, um, you know, if companies can move that quickly um, or, or at the speed they want to go and, uh, and really ensure that there's actually ROI and results from these things rather than doing AI for marketing's sake. Well, I asked a terrible question at first. I think I got it now. Let me see if I can restate it one last time. Consulting, architecture, co-creation, customer owns the IP. Did you I get it right? It. You got right, it. Fantastic. Um, what, so what's... maybe just said differently to just make sure everyone understands. You <laughs> go from kind of like the strategy, which is I want to do something in AI and I don't know what, to you know, uh, to building out what that looks like, what the roadmap is, how you actually technically execute on it, to actually executing against it and getting that fully in production, um, and even helping you know build up capabilities in house so that a company can manage and continue to grow and build upon uh, the foundation we have built within their company and not always be reliant on tribe. So what I heard you say, you'll meet the client no matter what space they are in. I mean, relative to AI, whether they're just starting or whether they're midway or whether they need some specialization. Uh, But what if they come to you with a data problem? Do you say, no, we can't help. We're, that's not our specialty. We, we, could probably do that, but we're we love data problems. Data problems are core to AI. Um, and I think that it's, a, I personally think it's a mistake to think about these things as divorced um, uh, because it, it's, it's so foundational. Um, and particularly if you know, there are lots of directions that um, uh, this ecosystem and industry can take. Um, but I believe that, data um, and proprietary data will be a core advantage and remain a core advantage. That's where, look, I'm with you on that. Maybe let's take that a little bit further. You know, a lot of times I'm meeting with enterprise clients, as you might've mentioned. Yeah. Uh, They're intrigued, like everybody, from the consumer aspect of ChatGPT or OpenAI. But look, 
um, they want to control their data yeah. and they're not going to do a scrape of the internet. Therefore they want an AI tool, whether it's based on foundational models or not, I think it'll be based on foundational models one way or another, but within their enterprise, answering their specific questions correctly. Do you see that in the same way? I see it completely in the same way. I think when I say there are still like tremendous barriers to enterprise adoption, you just nailed it. Like this is, this is a unsolved problem today. And I would say um, it's not the case that a few companies feel this. Every large company is thinking about this. And if you are in a regulated industry, you are thinking about it even more. I think there are lots of directions and approaches that are already available. Uh, but to me, this is still um, uh, an area where I expect we will see far more solutions than, all, than exist today. Um, so the solutions that exist today um, are not using you know, any sort of sensitive data if you're using these foundation models. That's okay, but that dramatically limits your impact. Um, so in order to get to that next step, um, uh, you, you would have to do that. Um, and so we are seeing companies uh, get comfortable with cloud deployments where you can sort of uh, really be working in much more of a walled garden. Um, many of these companies have already been hosting sensitive data into the cloud. And so they can sort of get comfortable as long as that data isn't kind of directly going back to these model providers. Um, and uh, we've seen in, in recent days, in the last month or so, um, that OpenAI released their their sort of business plan um, and their plans around sort of more data protection and privacy. Um, and, and I think, frankly, it's just the beginning. Um, and uh, you know, Cohere and Anthropic are already positioning themselves as much more data privacy forward. Um, and so I, I, there are already a bunch of solutions on the market. We are working through this with all of our enterprise customers as well and helping them build solutions in ways that are really thoughtful um, and enable them to both protect their data, their core IP and defensibility while still innovating. Is there a use case you specialize in and or is there a use case that you think is just more prevalent than any, any other use case right now that you're working with? So right now, just the, the sheer demand for generative is so wild, um, and we are seeing patterns within that. But I would, um, we have launched a kind of productized service, which is what we call like the generative blueprint. Um, it's basically a four-week um, kind of end-to-end go from concept to um, full, like full, full up and running proof of concept test or pilot um, of uh, one or many uh, AI use cases. Uh, and we are working through this with a variety of companies right now, um, kind of, uh, mostly sort of much larger mid-market and up companies. Um, and uh, this is interesting for many reasons. One is it can really jumpstart a company's efforts. Um, We've made it really digestible um, and very sort of standardized and repeatable. So we can actually um, be working through results really quickly. Um, And you're not just getting that pilot, which frankly, it's really easy to spin these things up, um, but you're also getting that plan for what does it actually take to build this thing out? What does it take to move beyond pilot? What does that investment actually look like? So that people can actually begin to move from sort of concept or experimentation into what does this really mean to invest in for my company? 
Um, and, and where is it worth it to me to be investing those dollars? How do I ensure I'm focused on a problem that actually matters for the business? Um, and so that, that's one. I think the, the other is that it really gives us a landscape view across pain points in generative AI adoption for, the, for B2B companies, for mid-market and up. Um, sorry, not B2B companies, um, but for all businesses. Um, and, um, and I think the, the reason that's really interesting um, kind of goes back to your point earlier, which is that we are already seeing repeated use cases um, and sort of uh, requests from customers um, and building some of those reusable products enables us to best serve, better serve our customers in the market with the things we know they already want and need. But when you talk about generative AI, does that mean it lands or manifests itself into a, na a natural language chatbot or as a use case? It can, um, but n not always. Um, it could be sort of like searching a corpus of information. So um, like a, a knowledge management tool, for example, okay. um, but where you can actually engage and ask questions of your own data or information. Um, so it doesn't actually have to take the form of a sort of chatbot per se, where you are kind of just talking, you know, more of a customer service or support type use case. Um, it, but, but it is about engaging with data or information in a way that's much more searchable, readable, um, and uses human language. Does Tribe use a methodology that you like to share? In other words, what can customers expect if they go and they seek your, your counsel and, and they're looking for that help you mentioned? Is it like a four-week, you know, from start to finish, uh, MVP, proof of experience, proof of concept. I, how does that, does that look? Or I'll just stop there. How does that, what does yeah. that look like? You nailed it. Um, that, that is like the base get off the ground methodology. Um, and we've outlined this, we're running it with, you know, dozens of companies. Um, and, you know, by the time this airs, maybe hundreds, it's, you know, everything's moving so quickly. Um, and, um, and, uh, I think that, also de-risks the process of building um, because to date or in the early days, um, everyone was new to generative AI. That's the really important thing to remember. Um, and so who actually are those generative AI experts? So the people who are building with it, who you know have either have built the technology, the underlying technology, which many of the people in our network have from you know X OpenAI, Google Brain, et cetera, um, or uh, they are the ones who are building applications that work um, and that scale. Um, and we're doing both. So we have both the talent that has been part of actually building this technology from the really early days, you know, even before ChatGPT was released. Um, and then we also are not just building these tools for our customers, but also building them for ourselves. And so you asked about sort of applications of how generative um, actually sort of manifests and functions. Well, one example in our business is um, we, uh, we think about staffing at scale. So now we have you know, dozens, hundreds, whatever of customers coming in um, regularly um, with a variety of customer needs. Those customer needs could be 
uh, use cases. It could be a technology stack. It could be a variety of requirements. Um, and we now need to go to our network of over 350 of these top brilliant technologists and figure out who within that network is actually the best to solve those problems. Um, and so we have built our own. Um, it is a chat experience, um, but where we are searching our own database um, that leverages video interviews, uh, interview notes, uh, feedback from customers, feedback from team members, um, as well as, you know, scrapes their LinkedIn profile and looks at a variety of other sort of external factors outside of our own database that we've stitched together. Um, and so really thinking about how you can be using your data and augmenting that data with external data to create something that, you know, when married with this sort of search-like experience and retrieval experience can be extremely powerful in giving people leverage and reducing time spent on road tasks. Terrific. What, you, what I often see is I'm seeing a lot of HR use cases, data discovery, chat ops, um, you know, like assistance, like, mm -hmm. you know, just uh, normal chat assistance, all good. Where can folks reach you and or reach tribe if they want to uh, test, test you guys out? Yeah. Come check us out tribe.ai. Um, and uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Jacqueline Rice Nelson um, or Twitter at Jack S Rice. Awesome. Let me, let me ask a few questions on coalition if I could. Yes, I'm, I'm interested in the investment. First of all, I don't know how you do both. I no, mean, that, that's quite, <laughs> you must have great people. I have really, I have the best teams, truly. When you talk about coalition or, or when I read about coalition, it talks about early stage venture funding or funds and women operator network. Does that mean it's, it's a coalition of only women or you target just women technologies or both, or no, that's not the case at all. It's just what? Very fair question. Because um, so, uh, maybe I want to get in. You never anything, know. Anything that's easy to explain can't be novel. And so I think we have made it confusing, but it's because we're sort of pushing the boundaries and the models that exist. And um, it's true with Tribe as well. Um, so at our core, we are a venture fund. There are four of us. Um, all four of us happen to be women um, uh, and also founders and top executives in tech. And so when I say I have the best team, I just, I mean, the best part of Coalition is that I'm working with some of my, the most brilliant people I've ever met um, and who are just wonderful humans who I love spending my time with. Um, so that is sort of one piece. Um, together, when we began investing, so we invest in early stage companies, so usually around seed stage um, and technology. So there's no gender lens to who we invest in. Um, we uh, like capital G. Our mission is to return money for our investors. Um, we have a financial goal. Um, and in doing that, as founders ourselves, um, we invest in the areas that we know. And so I invest a lot in data and AI. One of my partners invests a lot in healthcare because she's a healthcare founder. Um, and so that's that's kind of where, where we operate. And then through investing, we saw that uh, many of our male peers were with us on cap tables um, and were co-investors in the companies we were looking at or investing in. Uh, but many of the smartest women we knew were not. Um, and so we set out to kind of 
bridge that equity gap that we saw in tech uh, by partnering with venture funds um, who were much larger than us. So Thrive Capital and General Catalyst were our um, initial partners uh, to get this program off the ground. Um, and every time they do a deal, we bring in a operator, a um, amazing tech executive, very senior, seasoned, incredible background um, uh, to that deal, who is most relevant for what that company needs to scale. Um, and those people are all women because our intent was to really diversify the investor base for top venture-backed companies in tech. Well, if I'm going to bet on all women against all men, I'm taking all women all the time. I, I, have, a, I have a son and a daughter, and so far I'm taking that bet too. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they're not uh, listening to this. <laughs> I take that bet every day of the week. I got three daughters, and... Uh, but they're more calm, cool, collect. Uh, they can make the right decisions. Are you able to share like how many assets you have under management or is that something you don't want to share? Yeah, um, no, 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 it's public. Um, we've raised $12.5 million um, for our initial fund. Um, and um, I, we've invested in a, a bunch of companies, all of whom are, are public or many of, of which are public on our website, coalitionoperators.com. Um, so um, feel free to, to check them out. Um, but lots of really uh, exciting businesses, um, a bunch of data and AI companies, um, and I expect many, many more uh, in the future. How do you find these companies? I mean, what's your, yeah. I mean, can, you, can you just give us a high level of your process? I mean, because there's so many and it's like. <laughs> it's a little crazy right now. Um, it's funny. There's, there's so there's a lot of innovation happening, which is so exciting. And there's so much um, excitement from an investor perspective, um, which is uh, really energizing, but it's also a little bit, feels like a little bit frenzied. Um, and so, um, and uh, despite the fact that there is a bit of a market correction right now across the board, uh, the prices are not low in, in AI companies, to say the least. So that front low, is no. carrying. This is a great week. You should be making money hand over fist this week. I don't know. Yeah. Why? Well, the market's been doing pretty good. Yeah. Well, public market. I'm thinking private market, just yes. private market valuations. And, and of course, yeah. those things are tied. Yes. Um, but the, the market valuations have contracted across the board everywhere except AI, um, where they've essentially ballooned. Um, and so, you know, uh, I think this is a really interesting moment where even while I still invest really early, I'm seeing early stage companies that have wild valuations. Um, and so my model, since we can be really flexible um, and since I'm so plugged into the startup ecosystem and to AI companies in general, um, is to really be spending time with founders in much earlier stages of their journey. Um, and so while I sort of focused more on seed stage prior to this AI wave, my model right now is just finding amazing technologists and people who are exploring interesting categories and betting on them really early um, because it, it's going to make for, I think, much more attractive investments. Um, and ultimately, early stage investments are about sort of both the kind of category and market opportunity, um, and then ultimately the founder and the founder and the founder market fit, which is, is that founder the right person to be building that company? I'm always interested in this. I mean, like this is meant for another podcast. 
I mean, just from a philosophy standpoint, do you have to keep a lot of cash on hand? So, I mean, you've got to have cash to invest. So there's got to so, be a certain point. No, no. Um, thank goodness. My gosh, I would be a really, really bad uh, investor if I was dependent on my own money. Um, I, I, we've raised outside capital. Um, no, I'm talking about, but inside your, your fund, like Warren Buffett right now, he's got something like 130 billion in cash. And you're thinking, but he's, he sits there now he's a value investor. It's a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, I got to believe there's some tension of, Hey, we've got some cash in the fund, but we're waiting for the right investment versus mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in contrast with God, I wish we were investing more in this one company. Yeah. I don't know how you manage that. I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a really interesting question. I completely agree. I think right now with AI, um, there are lots of ways to be deploying. Um, and I, I very much the way we've designed the fund is that we are a collaborative check, which means um, for most investors who are at top tier venture firms, they're going to be uh, trying to win a deal. Um, from a company, which means boxing out all the other firms, um, right? It's a very binary outcome for them. They either win or they lose. For us, we can kind of win in any situation because we're writing smaller checks than they are, which means that whoever wins, or even if multiple people win, we can still participate in that round and be a collaborative check alongside them. And so our model uh, is pretty flexible on that, um, which means that if we can kind of take an index on some of these really top companies, we're going to be able to build really attractive returns for the fund. Um, And so absolutely, I do think about opportunity cost of where we're spending our time and our dollars. Um, But I think the category is so interesting um, that really developing sort of a thesis on what are the spaces we want to be making bets into and starting to build up our network of who the founders are, who we think will be really important nodes in this ecosystem is, um, is really how I'm thinking about that strategy for AI specifically because the market is moving so quickly and because I have such access to it. High level, what kind of AI company are you looking for? I mean, there's so many you mentioned. What are the parameters that you say, all right, this is interesting? Founder first. So I think I'm looking for kind of particular attributes in a founder. Um, I like tend to like really ambitious, hungry people. Um, and, um, and But pause there for just a second. Don't you find that all the folks you're looking at meet that criteria? I mean, I got to believe they're really, yeah. no. Yeah. They don't come in and they're like, hey, I'm ready to go. Look at this. I mean, and then they go through their business their business case, their business plan, their ROI, they're excited. You got founders that are... Yeah, but there are degrees. There are just degrees. Like who's really, who the, the levels of commitment is really different. Um, and, um, and the why, for why starting a company. Is this the thing they had to do? Or was this one of a million options and like kind of fell into it? Um, they're a kind of personal commitment to this really matters. Um, and, uh, I, I just, I actually really think that there is, it's nuanced and like you, it's hard to kind of suss out, but there is like an, there's enormous variation there. So is that to say that, um, 
the passion, the why, the commitment. That's number one. And then the second criteria is like much lower. I think it's like the deal breaker. Yeah. Um, And then, um, but, but I think it's very tied to the idea. So why that idea, why that business, why now for that business? Um, Why do I think that this will work? Um, But I, I think ultimately early stage, the idea could change a million times. Um, It almost certainly will change a million times, especially in an industry like AI, which is so nascent, moving so quickly. Um, Things that I thought were true and universal facts a month ago are no longer true, (laughs) Um, right? There's no way you're starting a company today and it stays the same. And so balancing someone you want to work with, whose vision you want to see realized, um, and uh, who will break down walls to make it happen. That's like, that's the fun stuff. Um, because if they're all all in, I want to be all in with them. Um, and I, I really think about, particularly you, you mentioned it, I do two jobs. So where I spend my time um, and how I spend my time really matters to me. Um, spending it with people I believe in um, and uh, want to work with. That's, that's what I'm really optimizing for um, because it's not just opportunity cost on my dollars, but on, on my time and, and life is short. Speaking of where do you spend your time? Is it 50, 50? Yeah. Um, I, I, my, my real focus today uh, is, is on tribe. Um, the, the market is so massive to build like a, a truly generational company in AI. Um, and that is where the bulk of my time focus energy goes. Um, through that, I get to meet incredible founders every day, week, whatever it is. Just last night, we had an event here and there were, I don't know, 50% of the audience was founders um, and, uh, and truly incredible founders working on really interesting problems. Um, and that uh, tribe affords me both an understanding of the market to really know where I see problems or opportunities that I, I really understand um, and, uh, and also access to this incredible founder and engineering base from whom uh, I can sort of see them in action um, and, then, uh, and then invest. Um, and so it, it, investing really is, it, there are so many parallels um, and there's so much overlap to my job at Tribe that it's not a clearly delineated thing. Um, and, and I really do think that my superpower as an investor kind of is my job at Tribe. Um, it's, it, it, and, and people want to work with other founders in the space because I'm seeing things that they might not otherwise see. This is a curious question. Does coalition invest in Tribe? Great question. Um, So today, Tribe has taken zero outside funding. Um, We are fully bootstrapped, which is quite unique, especially for someone who comes from the venture industry. Um, But uh, if I ever did raise capital, I would hope they would invest in me. (laughs) (laughs) I would hope they would too. All right. Look, I could, you're extremely easy to talk to, which I love guests like this. What is your leadership style? You said that, hey, you, you attract the best. How do you attract the best? It must be something around leadership, and I'd like to get your mantra or, or mission objective around leadership style. So I 
there, there are sort of two groups I have to attract. I have to attract partners um, and people who want to work with me, partners on coalition, people who want to work with me on tribe, um, and then also attract all of these hundreds of engineers. Um, the way I sort of appeal to engineers and the sort of brand we've built at Tribe that has created that magnet for that talent is quite different from answering the leadership question. So I'll focus on the leadership question, but if it's of interest, we can come back to the other. Um, as far as team, um, I think I am one of those founders that is all in, that sort of sees a future and is committed to making that future happen. Um, even when we were in a bit of an AI winter um, and everyone thought I was totally crazy, I really believed every company was going to need. Well, hold on. When you say AI winter, how long has you, have you started the company? How long has the company we been We started going? in 2019. So not, not classic winter, but I will say it was quite different to be convincing people um, to be investing in AI a year ago, two years ago, uh, particularly during an economic sure. downturn um, in COVID than it is today. Um, and so uh, we have seen, uh, you know, a before and an after ChatGPT, <laughs> and those are really sure. different worlds. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we, we kind of, we really like stuck with our vision um, and have built the foundations for a solution that is today so needed in the market. Um, but without that work, without kind of continuing through that kind of down, down phase, um, we wouldn't be where we are today. And so I think part of the leadership that has attracted people to come work at Tribe is that vision, is that commitment, is that grit. Um, and then also by bringing people onto the team who um, I think are incredible also means, you know, not seeing, seeing that they actually will do what they say they do. Um, but then upon a foundation of trust, give them a lot of autonomy to run with things um, and to build and to grow um, because it's the only way we will grow. I am not a micromanager. Um, the only times I am micromanaging are when I don't think something is going well. Um, but if you have proven yourself, you have lots of rope um, with me. Um, and, and then I think the last piece is just a heavy focus on action orientation. Um, I am a doer. I'm a very action oriented person with a lot of hustle. Um, and, uh, you know, I really like uh, to drive a culture of people who will fix things, who will, you know, quote, move the couch, um, which is one of my favorite phrases. You know, if you walk into a room and there's a couch and everyone's walking around the couch, stop walking around the couch, move the couch, fix the problem um, and build a better way of doing things. Um, and I very much hope that Tribe grows and scales with AI rather than just with bodies and with headcount. Um, and the only way we're going to do that is if we really do build differently than companies have been built in the past and ultimately solve the underlying problem, like solving that staffing problem I was mentioning with technology rather than hiring a head of staffing. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you, I mean, that was one thing that occurred to me. Are you using some of the solutions yourself as the company? We are very much an AI company. Um, and so we, like, that's when I say we are, we are the doers, we are the practitioners of AI. Um, and then because we know how to do, we can also go do for others and help them build those solutions into their business. 
Um, but we, we believe it so much that the way we are building Tribe is as an AI company rather than as a services or human-driven company first. We are building all of the underlying technology and infrastructure to enable us to continue to scale and to build something really differentiated. Is there anything else from a leadership perspective? I mean, you're, you're involved with a lot of the startups that are incubators to seeing success. I know you talked about passion, um, about uh, founders that are all in. Are there leaders or founders, any other attributes you say, hey, when I see X, Y, and Z, I know things are going to end up in a positive way. I wish that, um, I wish that were possible. Um, I, I really, I really do. Um, because it would mean that at the end of the day, people are all that matters. Um, and I think they are a huge piece of the puzzle. Um, but my gosh, I've also seen some incredible people, um, go run at something, you know, and have poor market timing, um, for a variety of reasons or, you know, have a regulatory change in the market that completely crushed them. Um, and so, um, uh, unfortunately, uh, amazing founders fail all the time. Um, but many of them go on and start other things. And I was going to say, but you'd still invest in them that, again then. If, oh, uh, no question. No question. The way you fail is extremely telling. Um, and, uh, if you, you know, fail, take a break and like are ready to go get after a new problem. Um, I think that person is, is, has superpowers truly, um, because they have seen so much, there will be so much they'll see that will be new, but, uh, as a founder, first time founder, there's truly so much you don't know. And there's so much you learn on the job. Um, second time founders or third time founders have tremendous advantages. Uh, I'm a continuous learner. Is there any, learning that you suggest in this space into entrepreneurship and or a book, a simple book that you'd recommend? I don't have one. Um, That's okay. I do. <laughs> I mean, I, I think there's a lot of really excellent content um, or that VCs actually publish. Um, so it depends a bit what you're trying to learn. Um, but for sort of focus on startups and scaling startups, I think the first round review is incredible. I'm trying to think what for like pulse on tech. Ben Thompson is amazing. Um, Esther Techery um, and um, Packy McCormick and not boring. Um, I, I'm happy to kind of follow up with a list of like everything in my inbox that I'm digesting. That would be awesome. I'd take that. I'd take um, that. But I, I, I feel similarly. Um, I, I, I think there's, there's truly, you know, we were talking about misinformation and actually, the, the problems that are created from too much content and misleading content, but actually there's never been more incredible content that's been available as well. Um, and so the flip side is very true. Um, Union Square Ventures is a great example. Um, one of the partners was here last night um, and uh, he talked about how they publish publicly every memo they've ever written on a company they've invested in. So anytime they invest in a company, you can go look at their rationale about 
why they bet on this business. And there's no other memo that they're creating internally. There's nothing else you are not seeing. You are seeing their entire process, their entire thought process on categories that they find interesting from an investment perspective and then seeing the bets they make in that space. And so there's really so much that you can learn from the content that's publicly shared um, by funds, by different groups that write on the space. Um, but I, I actually think that's it's an incredible moment in the venture and startup ecosystem that so much of this is public. Awesome. Fantastic. Easiest question of the podcast. What do you do for fun? Oh, man. Um, mostly hang out with my kids. I have a three-year-old and a five-and-a-half-year-old, and they are exhausting, but uh, they keep me on my toes. And um, So two companies. And two kids. And two kids like under I'm five or under. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, five-and-a-half. Yeah. Five-and-a-half. Well, six-and-under. Let's yeah. call it. Wow. Yeah. You're like Superwoman. No, I just, I have uh, a lot of help in a variety of areas of my life um, and an amazing family that has supported me on lots of fronts. Sounds like you're ultra successful. Um, thank you for being here. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you would like to? We, we, I think we went through a lot. No, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Honestly, this was a really fun conversation for me as well and hope to have many more opportunities to, to chat with you. Um, but mostly just thank you for doing this and um, all the Terrific. content you create for the ecosystem. Happy to do it. It's fun. I actually enjoy it. It's, this, is, this, is, this is my passion. I like doing this and meeting people like you. That's what's, what's terrific. I hope we do stay in touch. Look, I would wish you good luck, but I don't think you need the luck. I can see the passion. Always so I think it. you'll just make it happen, right? That's all you got to do. Take luck. It is always a big part of the equation. Um, so thank you. Thank you. And the same to you. All right. Thank you. Thank you for being here, Jacqueline. Folks, thank you for listening. I appreciate you being here. Hit us on almartintalksdata at gmail.com. If you have any feedback, if you want to be on the podcast as usual, rate us in any flavor of podcast wherever you're listening. Um, I look forward to the next time. See you on the podcast. See you all.